When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello, and welcome to Awesome Etiquette, where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on group graduation parties, giving older relatives car rides and who should sit where, speaking another language in a public space, and sharing one family member's news with the rest of the family. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question of the week is about paying to replace something you didn't break. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript on the history of etiquette books. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Hey, cuz. How's it going, Lizzie Post? It's it's going. I feel like it's going a little faster than my brain can keep up with it this this week and next. We have a, a lot going on right now, both at the Institute and in our in our personal lives. I know, I know. Getting ready for a big Memorial Day weekend. I know. I'm headed off. We're actually both headed to the same place, but at opposite parts of the week. I am headed down to Martha's Vineyard to help uh, my other side of the family open up their property down there, or our property down there. I'm really excited. This is a, a job I've wanted since I was probably like 20 years old, and I am I'm finally a trainee, and so I'm I'm stoked to be going down and being with the rest of the crew, which are a bunch of my other cousins. I love that image. Just so you know. know, you and a bunch of fully grown functioning adults all in trainee roles with your aunts and uncles and mothers and fathers all supervising. It'll be awesome. <laughs> just so the audience can get a picture. It's this really fabulous farm property. So fields that lead out to dunes and then the beach. I mean, it's like as gorgeous as you could imagine. Tons of woods behind you. So it's really private. And we will be on hands and knees scrubbing these houses and making sure that they have enough, uh, you know, detergent and sheets and towels and anything that's broken is going to get fixed and there's going to be painting projects and carpentry projects and I'm sure lawn mowing projects. I was going to say there are some paths that need repair, I'm sure. Paths that need repair, all that. And we do, we have a wonderful couple who are caretakers of the property who, who also aid in all of this, but there's a number of houses on the property, so there is a lot to manage, and it's it's just really exciting 
two of like my closest cousins, like the cousins I'm closest to, I'm going to be staying in one of the houses with them. One of them manages all of us and that's her first year doing it. And the other one who's like another brother, he's like another Dan in my life, even though no one could ever really be like another Dan in my life. I'm just so excited to go and like get into the dirty hard work of like cleaning these houses and making them awesome and and living the dream I've wanted to live for like a good, well, yeah, I'm almost 40, so good, like, 20 years now. <laughs> good, trainee, good. <laughs> and then you're going to skedaddle out of there, and we're probably on ferries that will cross but, each other. Like, they, literally, ships not in the night, but during the day. <laughs> yep, yep. No, I have the, the weekend with Pooja's family. There's a big gathering of all her cousin-level family, and it's all about their kids' summer birthdays. So we're calling mm-hmm. it, like, the birthday gathering. And Ari the birthday is weekend. <laughs> included within that, but so are the twins. And so is, I think, someone coming up from Boston. I don't even know everybody that's going to be there. <laughs> but a lot of birthdays to celebrate. <laughs> and then we'll move from there directly down to MV, and we will. We'll just miss you, and that'll be a, a bit of a bummer, but... Also, yeah. we're very excited to be headed south and headed to the shore. Uh, no, it'll be it'll be really, really awesome. But you started but, this call talking about a lot of work that we have going on. And it's true, yes. we do. But I want to talk about something that is the fruition of work that was done a while ago. And we finally got <laughs> to see the results of it this last oh, week. Oh, and yeah, it was yeah, so yeah. cool, Lizzie Post. You were on The Rachel Ray Show. I was. I was on the Rachel Ray show and we filmed this back at like the end of September or October of last year. And, I can't believe um, it was that long ago. I would have guessed more yeah. the middle of the winter. But anyway, we had a, a couple of suggested air dates for it that came and went. And then it, it was going to air on Monday, but then it or Tuesday. And then I got the news that they were doing a rerun and instead it was going to air on Thursday. So it did air on Thursday. Dan, you were kind enough to find it online through just a quick search. And I, I get too nervous to actually watch them back. So I filter it through Dan. Well, I was going to ask you <laughs> and I was on really air grateful this morning. For you. <laughs> Have you watched it yet? Have you seen no, it? No, no. I heard you play it in the background during our phone call yesterday. And that was enough. Um, but I'm really glad that you really liked it and that they had done such a fabulous job, you said, with the B-roll, the images of Emily and telling a little bit of her history and stuff. So I was really excited to hear that. Well, I want to take this opportunity to encourage any of our audience who are listening right now, if you are at a computer or if you're thinking of this when you get to a computer, do a little Google search. Google search Lizzie Post, Rachel Ray video. And you should find it as a pretty recent high search result. It's about a four-minute clip. And you keyed on, Lizzie, the thing that I was so excited to see. And I didn't realize you had done the amount of work that you had done getting them (laughs) B-roll footage of uh, you, you, for example, turning a page from an old photo album and mm. taking taking uh, video footage of that. Then they splice it together, that B-roll that you talk about. But mm-hmm. they ended up presenting Emily Post as a historical figure and you and your work at the Emily Post Institute in a very well-produced, very seamless little opening segment that I thought was as professional and quick a look at the history of Emily Post and the current state of the Emily Post Institute is anything I've seen in a while. I thought it was really good. And I appreciate the time that I know you spent putting that together because video work product, it takes work to make it look easy and good. And (laughs) it looked easy and good. 
Oh, good. I'm I'm really really glad. Well, definitely, audience. If you if you get a chance to to hit it up on Google, go for it. And it was really good seeing this one come to fruition. But that wasn't the only thing we had going on this week. We were testing a new product and finally got it to work. That was incredible. I had my first meeting with one of our Train the Trainer graduates as I move into a position of managing our Train the Trainer graduates. And that probably was the most fulfilling thing of the week. I I came off that call on cloud nine, just really excited about that program and the people who tend to take that program. You do get to deep dive etiquette with them. They, it's really fun to reminisce about their trainings. And this particular graduate has been with us for almost 10 years. So it was really incredible to, to chat with her. And then we also received back the next version of the edits along with the illustrations in their almost finalized form. So it was like all this stuff going on left, right, and center. And at the same time, you and I were podcasting and we're, you know, catching up with each other and sending each other files and all the normal kind of like day-to-day stuff that goes on. It just felt like such a week. <laughs> I want to acknowledge all that. And I also want to point out that you buried the lead because I know Did you I? were excited to talk to our trainer, but you just teased the <laughs> role that you're stepping into helping to manage our trainer community. And yeah. that's a decision we've made here over the last month. And I'm so excited about it. And I don't want to talk too, too much about it right now, but I do just want to put a little pin in that and say, let's return to it at a, a, a <laughs> totally. future intro to the show and talk more about it. Cause I am as excited about that as you are. And I am just delighted that one of your first calls with, with one of our trainers went so well and sort of started you off on that foot thinking about this project. Oh my gosh, you know what else happened this week? Do tell. <laughs> I know, I know we're running long on our intro here, but I also got to play golf for the first time this season down up here in Vermont. And I, that also filled me up so much. It was right after that trainer call. So I was feeling really, really good. But it was it was amazing. I was paired up to play with one of my favorite girlfriends. Her husband, who I I, mar- I was the officiant at their wedding, joined us. And a guy that I used to babysit for his kids also joined us. So it was like just so much fun. It was a really fun round. And a shot of 47, which if you don't oh play golf and you don't know my game, is really good. I've got to say the best thing about gaining weight is that my golf game is so much longer. Um, but it it was 47 is not typical for me. I have a hard time breaking 50 uh, on a round of nine and a 47 was just I was stoked. So thank you for indulging a little golf brag excitement. <laughs> That's all right. You squeezed in a 47. Lucky number for Pomona College. Go say Jens. Okay. Okay. There you go. But it was also, it was so nice to be out socializing and to to be really getting back into the groove of life here in Vermont. So I hope, I hope you all are having some similar experiences out there. Well, speaking of grooves, we have another groove we need to get into here. Oh, I think we should get into the question groove. <laughs> Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just remember, use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show.
Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is titled, Grouping Grads. Are you ready for it, cuz? I'm ready. All right. Good afternoon, Lizzie and Dan. Longtime listener here. I'm proof that you can indeed teach an old dog new etiquette tricks. I love that. My question is about families that have combined to honor more than one graduate at their open house. An invitation I received celebrates two young people who have been friends for many years, my dilemma is that while I'm close to number one, I'm not acquainted with the number two or her parents. The open house is being held at the home of number two. My question is, what is the gift protocol under these circumstances? I fully intend to give a generous gift and card to grad number one. I'm thinking I'll bring a card for number two and enclose a gift card to a coffee shop or Amazon in a smaller amount. I don't have an issue celebrating both of them, but I doubt number two will know who I am. Do I include a line in the card saying neighbor of number one? The easy solution would be to skip the open house and just give number one her gift privately. Too late, promise to attend already. Sincerely, wannabe party pooper. P.S. What's the least amount of time was must stay at an open house? Oh, I'm hesitant to call wannabe party pooper an old dog learning a new etiquette trick but i feel like that sometimes myself <laughs> don't we <And> all <laughs> when i get to this ps i particularly identify with wannabe a party pooper because <laughs> this is oftentimes the nature of my etiquette questions what are the bare minimum social expectations that i need to meet here when can i go home <laughs> qualify as a polite person um let's start with that simple one lizzie post i, okay. I, I think of an open house party as being a come when you want, leave when you want kind of affair. And mm -hmm. in general, I'm thinking about an hour as a time frame that 
plus or minus is okay depending on how you feel about it. You could probably stay a little longer than that if you were having a great time and wanted to. You could probably cut it a lot shorter than that if you weren't having a great time and didn't want to or had other obligations. But I, I think of that hour as sort of a not a target, but just a, a rough time frame. It's like, oh, it'd be good if I stayed about an hour. That would be really bringing myself and, and mm -hmm. really fully participating. Without there being a firm etiquette rule, what do you think of that? I think that makes sense. I think for an open house party and graduation parties, it's funny, they could kind of be either. It might be something that has more of a meal focus to it, where I think then you're you're pushing into the two hour category for being reasonable. But an open house party can often have a drop in and take off kind of vibe to it. And it, it, in fact, it does have a drop in and take off kind of vibe to it. You might want to just check with some other folks who are going and maybe even grad number one's family who you know better and are neighbors of uh, just to find out if there is some kind of a meal or if there's going to be sometimes there's like, you know, a cake or something like that, that that people are going to kind of rally around a little bit. Um, it doesn't Will there mean you be have a speech to, or something. Yeah, there might yeah. be a speech, something like that. So just worth asking if the other participants know roughly what kind of the party timeline or the 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 plans of of marks that the hosts want to hit in the party are, so that you you make sure you're not ducking out before them. Unless of course you have to, and that's a little different. But I I like the idea of trying to go and really spend some spend some time and and say hello and congratulate the graduate you know as as well as the one that you don't and make sure that you speak to the host. And in this case, that is someone that you don't know, but you can introduce yourself and say, you know, oh, I'm neighbor of grad number one. And I'm so grateful you invited me. Thank you so much. Really proud of all the kids. You know, a simple little conversation like that is perfect. Um, and then I think once you've, you know, hit the marks and as long as there aren't specific things about the party that are supposed to be marks the party host is trying to hit um that you can you can leave before that or, or leave once you've done that um dan when it comes to these gifts i gotta say i feel like old dog uh is is like an old dog who could teach etiquette tricks because this all looks good to me that you get the card and the gift for graduate number one who you know and then you also do a card and a little something, whether that's a gift card or some nice fresh cut flowers, something simple for the the grad number two that you don't know. I think that's perfectly fine. And I love the signing of it with your name and then maybe in parentheses under it, neighbor of, you know, graduate number one. And I think that that will help in case somebody didn't know who you were or forgot throughout the, the course of the event and is opening gifts and cards later on. I think that that, that would really be both generous and appropriate. I couldn't agree more. I think that we started off on the, the right track in terms of the thinking here. And I think just filling out that thought with the idea that you're in good shape and flowers would be a nice option. A little something would be a nice op option. You might just go with a card. Mm -hmm. You could. It's not a shower. There's no expectation of gift giving. There's not going to be a big presentation of gifts moment where gifts are going to be compared and exposed. So the the issue with is this person going to feel like they weren't treated as well or in the same way as this other person, I don't think is likely to come up, shouldn't be a big deal. And mm -hmm. 
we're talking about high school graduates. They're approaching adulthood. I think they also are capable of understanding that people have different relationships to different graduates, even if they are sharing a party and that it might make perfect sense for someone to be thinking differently about acknowledging the graduation of someone they don't know or don't know as well as someone that they're close to. Wannabe party pooper, to be honest, from the sound of it, it seems like you're a really great party guest like, and a wonderful neighbor. We hope that you have a really great time at this party and that both graduates feel really celebrated. In the Benton household, graduation from high school is an event worthy of celebration. And a family party in Dave's honor is in progress. Our next question is about etiquette and the elderly. Hello. We are often asked to pick up our elderly mother. Where is the appropriate place for her to sit in the vehicle? She has no difficulty navigating either spot. In the front with my husband and me in the back seat, or in the back seat so my husband and I are together in the front seat. Thank you so much. Jill. Jill, I like that you're thinking about this. I remember learning that other cultures, this can actually be a really important decision to be made. In American etiquette, it's not quite so much because you could see value in either space. And so I think it really comes down to asking your mother and finding out what she prefers and feels more comfortable with. If your goal is to seek her her comfort, if it's to seek your own, then it might be more you deciding that you're going to pick a specific seat that's going to be yours and direct her to the other one, especially since you're mentioning that she doesn't have trouble navigating either spot. But I think either could be perfectly appropriate. A lot of people think of that front passenger seat as a a real seat of honor. And other people really appreciate kind of the chauffeured feeling of being in the back seat. So you could you can get different opinions either way. I agree, Lizzie Post. I think the important thing here is that you're honoring your mother. And whether that's a clear standard, oh, the back seat is the seat of honor, so we offer that to her, or whether, as Lizzie says, there's some question about that. Some people prefer that passenger seat, better view, easier to get in and out, maybe. Um, it's, It's something that if I wanted to confer that honor to my mother, I, like Lizzie Post, think that asking her would be the best way to do that and be prepared for any answer and be prepared to sit in the back seat or take the back seat if she prefers the front. Because do you and Pooch have like different standards you use with like your different parent set parent sets that you would be traveling in cars with? Not exactly, except that yeah. I think that there's sort of a competition to take the seat that is the least honored seat, if that makes any sense. If yeah, there's a, between like, oh, the I've got two to squinch of you, in like... the back between the car seats and <laughs> like Alka you'll Pooch's take that. mother will want to take it and I'll be like, no, 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 let me sit in <laughs> the back me. with the girls. And she'll say, no, 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 let me do it. I can take care of them. And I say, no, 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 really, you should be more comfortable. Take the front seat. And eventually totally. I win because I insist. I was thinking about when I go, and especially because it's starting to be the kind of weather where we're going to start doing this again, um, Vermonting with uh, Jenny and Frank. And mm-hmm. they're one of my favorite couple friends. And we always take my car because it's the roomiest. 
And then we, we kind of now called it assume the positions and Frank is the driver as long as he doesn't have to decide where we're going. So he wants directions from the two of us and decision making from the two of us. Mm -hmm. I'm in the front seat and Jenny likes to sit in back with the dogs so that she can cuddle with Sonny or in past years it was with Benny. And I just love the fact that it's, it isn't quite exactly what you'd think of, but it does kind of break up the couple a little bit and I'm friends with both of them. So that's really nice. But like we all kind of like love our little spot, but we have our little thing with it. Yeah. <laughs> like I love not having to drive and I could care less whether I'd be in the front seat or the back seat. Jenny loves getting to sit with the dog and Frank just doesn't want to make decisions, but loves driving. <laughs> well, okay. So you just reminded me of two other considerations that I sure. think really do come into play. And I think in general, you want to defer to your mother, let her take her pick or have the seat that can the most honor yeah. a couple of considerations that would maybe supersede that one is a safety concern or a, yep. a comfort or accessibility concern and we've got in the body of this question that that's not an issue here so we sort of yeah. skipped over that but i think it's worth saying explicitly if someone has a real preference for a particular reason or if there's a safety concern use that yeah. the second is that oftentimes that passenger seat is the best seat for a good navigator and there are times where it might be good or important to have your partner, your spouse, the person who's the dependable navigator in that passenger seat. And that might be something that's worth explaining if that's factoring into your decision making, or it might be another consideration that's worth worth acknowledging at the start and making part of your decision making. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jill, this is a great question. And I actually hope we get a lot of fun feedback on this one. I feel like it could be one that has some good opinions on it. Jill, whether you end up in the front seat or the back, thank you so much for submitting this question. Perhaps the poor driver never learned the proper way to drive. You have more opportunity than he. You have the opportunity to learn the right way to drive. The opportunity to avoid the mistakes and habits acquired by others. Our next question is titled Bilingual a Bother? Dear Dan and Lizzie, if you are bilingual, is it rude to speak a foreign language among family and friends in a public space? For instance, my family's Chinese. I did not hesitate to speak Chinese to my grandmother since she did not speak English. I would tend not to have a conversation in Chinese with my parents or any younger generation who do speak English in a prolonged or boisterous manner in a place such as an airport where people can't help noticing other people around them. I'm not sure if this is because it seems rude to other people who might hear but not understand us or purely because it marks us as other, which is sometimes not desirable in a public space. Sandra. Sandra, thank you so much for this question. I it's a great question. found myself reflecting on it in all kinds of different ways. I live in a very bilingual family and navigate a mm -hmm. lot of bilingual situations. And I'm often the person who doesn't speak the what for me is a second or third language, but is oftentimes a first language for members of my family. And I really appreciate when they make an effort to speak English around me. I think that the the real courtesy is that among a group, you try to find the language that's understood by the greatest number of people that makes it the easiest for everyone to participate. 
I think that is relatively intuitive to most people. I think it's something that's relatively well understood and that it can be really easy to map that expectation onto public behavior or situations mm -hmm. like an airport where you find yourself in close enough proximity with other people that it feels like it would be more polite to be using a common language. I want to really give permission to use whatever language you find the easiest for you and the people you're communicating with in those situations, that there mm -hmm. is nothing rude about speaking. Uh, and, I, and I don't want to call it a different language, but a language that not everybody is familiar with in a public space in a place where there's no reasonable expectation that they should be invested in the content in of the, the conversation yeah. that you're having. <laughs> Yeah, where the exactly. only offense that you might offer is them not liking the fact that someone is speaking a different language. And yeah. if you in your heart are true and know that you're not talking about those people, another thing that you could do right. that would be rude to use your knowledge of another language to talk about or to someone in a way that you wouldn't want them to hear. Mm hmm. You don't need to worry about it at all. It's really mm -hmm. up to them to negotiate how they feel about people speaking a different language in a public space. I do hear your awareness of that issue of not wanting to other yourself, that feeling like a like something that's not desirable to you. And I think it's worth acknowledging that as an own impulse in yourself and, and acknowledging mm -hmm. where that feeling's coming from. But I don't think there's a, a question of etiquette about it being rude, what kind of choice you make about it. Yeah, that's a total personal decision as to whether you feel confident and comfortable doing it or even safe doing it in that manner. Exactly. Um, versus not. I remember because growing up, um, my best friend's house, uh, they all spoke, the mother, the parents spoke French fluently, and the kids all spoke French. And my friend really didn't like it when her mom would speak French in front of her friends because she knew that we couldn't understand what she was saying. And I always appreciated that the mom, it's easier for her to speak French. And I, frankly, I liked it. I thought it was really cool that she came from my house where there were two languages that got spoken regularly. But I really appreciated that my friend's mom, who French is a much easier language for her, even though she speaks fluent English, her French is what she would prefer to be speaking. Um, and it obviously comes more naturally for her. And so she would speak French to her daughter and ask her a question. And my my friend would respond in English. And I kind of loved that because I ended up picking up a bunch of French from from that and hearing the, the back and forth and stuff like that. Not always the easiest way to go for everybody. But that was one of my main experiences with a bilingual family and kind of how they did things and, and also a little bit of insight into their perspectives on it. You know, the kids, I knew why the mom was doing it, but the kids found this kind of discomfort or disease when they were hosting their friends. And that was kind of an interesting etiquette point for them it didn't bother me the guest one bit but i did think it was it was kind of an interesting perspective to ha to have i find those dynamics within a group or within a home so interesting and i often absolutely f find myself a, a visitor with puja's family where oftentimes hindi is the language that's spoken in the home the language that the family members are most comfortable with Mm -hmm. And I'll be, if not the only sole English speaker, one of the only sole English speakers. And I've learned a little bit of Hindi enough that I can pick up the major some words, words and, and some of the basic yeah. grammar and phrases. But 
I, I lose the thread of a conversation very quickly. Mm-hmm. I like to offer that guest dispensation. I like to say, please talk whatever language is most comfortable. Don't worry about including me all the time. If this is the most natural, convenient, easy thing for you, I appreciate you making the effort to talk English for me on my behalf. So I'm included, but don't feel like you have to do it all the time. I don't find it rude. If you're in the kitchen navigating, getting dinner ready, just because I'm there doesn't mean you have to do that in English. And I think that's a nice dispensation or, or consideration to offer as a guest. If it's something that you don't mind, because I think it can also ease that, that question in the minds of other people a little bit. Lizzie Post, there was one other thing that I wanted to mention here, just because I'm, um, working very hard with a five-year-old and an almost three-year-old on Mm -hmm. just taking it down a level. And (laughs) I'm thinking a lot about inside voices, outside voices. Yeah. I do think there's an etiquette consideration, whether whatever language we're speaking on our boisterousness level in particular environments. I think there are some places where absolutely your boisterousness level can be much higher and it's going to be tolerated encouraged not rub anyone the wrong way i think there are other places singing songs together yes (laughs) the gate for a plane people are trying to keep an ear out on the announcements people are a little on edge anyway where again whether it's your five-year-old or whether you're speaking Chinese or Hindi or English that paying attention to your inside voice and just maintaining a tone and volume that's coordinated with the people around you is always good etiquette. Absolutely. Sandra, thank you so much for this question. We really appreciate the chance to provide an answer. And I would also really appreciate hearing like our last question, what our listeners have to think about this topic. Pete has developed his skill in communication through words just as you can, by being alert to words, by using words that say exactly what you mean, by building your vocabulary. Our next question is titled Family Secrets. It begins, Dear Awesome Etiquette Team, I'm a new listener to your podcast series. I've begun to suspect that two-plus years of pandemic isolation have not done a lot to improve my understanding of modern etiquette. (laughs) And I agree with your basic premise that kindness and honesty are so needed now more than ever. So here goes. I come from a large family of six siblings. I am the only female, plus my brother's grown children, grandchildren, etc., We do not live geographically close to each other, and the pandemic simply made the distance more pronounced. The issue I have now encountered more than once is some version of a major life event, a marriage, a divorce, a new baby, of which no announcement has made its way to me via any personal means. As an example, I've gotten a hint that a marriage has occurred, but when I ask someone with direct knowledge if this has happened, the response is something like, you'll have to ask this relative yourself, or I don't know, when the person asked turned out to know very well. I am observing then that these major family events, all part of a public record somewhere, are supposed to be held secret and confidential until when? Question mark, question mark, question mark. And if I do find out via a reliable member of the family, am I also supposed to act like I do not know what I know if asked to keep the information confidential? So my dilemma as the sister or sister-in-law or the aunt or the niece in any of these situations, 
is what behavior do etiquette rules suggest when I wish to honor the new marriage or new baby or offer support in times of difficulty, but have not been informed directly? Or how should I respond interpersonally if I'm attending some family gathering where I'm suddenly introduced to my brother's new spouse of some two years? Or ask how a wife or husband is doing to find out a divorce has happened? Please know that while no huge argument has occurred, I am probably an outlier in my family as politically liberal and a single female. My siblings and I are getting older, and we now have only our very elderly mother in assisted living. So maybe the family glue has come unstuck. I, alas, hate social media, so perhaps I'm left out due to that choice. In any case, I want to understand what etiquette options there are so that at least I can be fully prepared for any encounters which may occur. And do not hesitate to tell me the hard parts, too. Perhaps etiquette advises acceptance in a situation where one is not included by either default or design. I wish to cause no hurt nor harm, and yet I need to honor my own values, too. Thus, your advice is deeply appreciated. Awesome etiquette, newbie. Awesome etiquette, newbie. It's it's a really interesting question because it like I really appreciate at the end, newbie, that you have let us know that you don't like social media, that there might be some like personal differences between you and your family. You you reference yourself as kind of an outlier, even though there's been no big arguments or anything like that. I'll admit that, like, you asked for some of the hard parts, too. I'll admit that I, I I throw up a question mark as to why people are acting like they can't share the news when the wedding has already occurred or something like that. That I find a little interesting or different from, from what I would normally expect. But my solution right off the bat is... Is there someone in your family that you are kind of close to? Is there someone who could kind of act like that point person? I can remember on my other side of the family, two cousins who we really didn't grow up with very much kind of came into our lives later and and started participating at that, that Martha's Vineyard family farm that I talk about. And I even just the other night, one of those cousins was saying, you know, people don't always know who I am, or I don't always know I have to go through you to get the family, like, the family rundown or, and I don't want to call it gossip because it's things like marriages and babies, which aren't really gossip, you know? And, and we recognize that that dynamic is there because, um, he and his sister just weren't a part of the family when we were all younger. And so it, sometimes it's about like finding that person you are close with and just recognizing that they're kind of be, they're going to kind of be your portal into the family news thread. Or finding ways, and maybe it's a, a group text that the family has or something like that, that you can participate that don't require you to have to be on social media. I'm I'm with you. I, I have a family that operates on social media a lot, and I really don't like to participate there. It gives me a lot of anxiety. And so I feel like I often miss out on news of family and friends because of it. And I've a little bit had to learn to live with that and, and be more proactive about asking questions and comfortable with getting the answers sometimes second, third, or fourth hand, you know, even when I might be closer with the person. Lizzie, you're pulling on all the threads that I would pull on here. Yeah, okay. I I, I felt like the, the, the question came together for me a little bit with that comment about, about the mom also, that maybe the 
the social glue for this family isn't functioning in the same way that it may have even a year or two ago. And and I also want to acknowledge that the pandemic can have that impact or effect, particularly in a family where maybe people felt differently about getting together or not, that it might be the natural consequences of certain parts of a family still gathering and certain members of a family that weren't available or interested or or felt safe or comfortable doing that, that I could see a number of things having produced a dynamic within the family where it's, it's the social glue isn't holding. I, I loved that. Um, it's a good or line. has come unstuck. It's, it's a great line. Th- this question was full of great writing. I also need to honor the I sentence. Know. I wish to cause no hurt nor harm. And yet I need to honor my own values too. That's as great a summation of, of our big picture thinking about etiquette as, as anything I've heard in a while. I know that one made me want to offer a hug, not, not give a hug, but offer a hug. Um, it, yeah. I thought it was, it was really great. And like you, I thought it was a really good summation of, of the idea of etiquette that you, you, you really trying not to, to hurt or harm anyone, but you're also trying to protect yourself or at least honor yourself. And while I do think that there is a certain responsibility in accepting distance, particularly when other people are initiating it, that mm-hmm. you can't force other people to have better relationships with you. You can yep. you can do your best and be your best and meet people in the places that still honor your own values. And beyond that, there is often a standard of of managing your own responses and emotions that is your responsibility at that point. And mm-hmm. Like you, though, I was looking for the proactive things, the things that you could do that would maybe start to reintegrate you into that that family mm-hmm. social dynamic or find your points of access. And I, I love that idea of finding a relationship or a person that can keep you informed. And that might even be just someone that reads the social media if it's not something yes, that exactly. you want to turn on yourself. <laughs> and it could be someone who's a real dynamic center of the scene family member. It might also just be someone that has a Facebook account and they're linked to everybody. So they get the announcements. Exactly. Exactly. Just saying announcements makes me want to make the etiquette point of, of commenting on the importance of announcements that happen outside of the social media space for just this kind of reason that we had a discussion a couple shows ago about birth announcements and who they get sent to and how far and wide and what's the purpose or intent. And, I can't think of a better example of why a birth announcement would be something that would be really worthwhile and that it's not just something that's self-serving or self-aggrandizing, that it really is about sharing good news or important news with Mm -hmm. people who might want to know. And not everybody who receives that announcement is going to need it or need to know that or feel the same way about it. But you might very well include somebody in a way that's really important if you make that effort and do it. And don't just rely on social media to do it. Because I also feel like one of the things that I'm picking up as I read this is not a ton of taking this too personally. Identifying yourself as an outlier is always a reasonable thing. I'm not going to say good, but like a reasonable thing to do and to recognize sort of the reality of, of where you are with a family. We have some outliers in our family, and I know that people make good efforts to to reach out to them to tell them news and to kind of spread that family grape, grapevine. I don't want to call it a gossip vine um, a little bit. But I also think that because it's not something that you feel 
deeply hurt by that you just want to navigate really well, that it makes me feel really confident giving the advice to newbie to actually, when you do find out news, send a card, send a congratulations. Um, you ding, know, ding, maybe if ding. it's, yeah, maybe if it's the divorce you're hearing about, I wouldn't send a card or a congratulations, but just take knowledge of it. But I do think that when you do find out that so-and-so got married, even if you don't know when it was or where it happened or who it was to, I think sending that card could be a really good way to show that you're interested and invested. I know that when we have done things like had major book launches or a really cool TV appearance or something, and we have posted that to our Emily Post social media, and I've gotten some outreach from cousins or family members congratulating us on it. It felt so good. Even if this was someone I don't talk to very much, or even if it is someone that I'm on very sort of different either political or lifestyle ideals from, like it was really great to have that kind of support and encouragement. And my my guess is that since there has been no argument you make clear, that that would be welcome. And it might even get people to pop you on that, you know, that that outgoing list for if they do send announcements or if they do have a list of people that aren't on social media. But I think it is okay for you to reach out, even if you haven't heard directly from people. I think that within a family, that's really okay. Socially, maybe, maybe not quite as much, but within a family, I think it could really be okay. I love the idea of leaning in and using traditional etiquette to help build those bonds up and to maintain them within a family and the holiday birthday graduation call card or visit can really serve that function. And mm -hmm. those are important moments in people's lives. I think that's what we're feeling a little bit in this, this question is that I, I feel like I'm maybe not as connected to those things and it results in interpersonal social awkwardness yeah. that I, I love your suggestion of, using the very traditional etiquette tools around those major life events to stay connected with people and to just touch them and that it can both serve the relationship and it can make people feel really good. And and those are both really good outcomes to doing anything. And, you know, you mentioned that you're an outlier, potentially for political reasons. It can remind people that there are many other things to connect about other than our, our beliefs mm -hmm. in particular things that um, just because we're, you know, on opposite sides of a, of a political spectrum doesn't mean that I can't really be happy for you having gotten married or gotten out of a bad marriage or had a baby or had your fourth baby. And I think that that's a really, really great way for us to be connecting right now when people do feel so divided and, and like it's been hard to come together. Before we leave this question, I know this answer's yeah. gotten long. I want to <laughs> just take a, a brief second to look at those interpersonal moments of awkwardness mm. and to affirm for our awesome etiquette newbie that once something is public, there's no need to pretend that you don't know. That once someone has gotten married or a baby has been born, those are things that happen in the public space. And once the announcements are in the papers or the on the social media, just because you haven't been told personally doesn't mean you have to pretend that you don't know. If you do end up in a situation where you've made a mistake, where you're asking about a spouse that's no longer a spouse or you haven't heard about a major life event Mm -hmm. Just having at your disposal an easy, sorry, I hadn't heard, or my apologies, I didn't know, or I'm still getting caught up on the news. 
is the only thing that's required of you from an etiquette perspective that you don't need to participate in a deception or you mm-hmm. don't need to pretend that you don't know things that are public information to Absolutely. ease someone else's experience that that it's considerate to think like that but as long as you're prepared to apologize for any hurt or offense that you cause it's okay to talk about those things Absolutely. Awesome etiquette newbie. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for participating right off the bat. We are very glad to have you part of our audience, and we certainly hope that our answer helps. In any family, we are bound to encounter a certain amount of rivalry among the brothers and sisters. Rivalry for attention, for esteem, and it's not too strong to say for love. Development is always accompanied by some friction. And in the very nature of their growing up, the children must develop. Therefore, if there is no friction, somebody is hiding something. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave a voicemail or text message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or reach us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media posts so that we know you want your question on the show. If you love Awesome Etiquette, please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing that you help to keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we have feedback from Grace about the proofreader in our last episode. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I just listened to episode 401 where a listener asked how to deal with a friend who isn't taking her proofreading corrections. As a longtime professional proofreader, I thought your advice was excellent. Beverly needs to directly address with her friend why this one correction keeps getting ignored. I would add that she should also discuss why this mistake is incorrect in the first place, especially if the mistake alters the meaning of the sentence. When I proof a document, I don't just make corrections. I ask questions so we can discuss why the writer made a particular choice that looks off to me. If I was working with a writer who continuously ignored the same correction, I would tell them why I'm suggesting that particular change. No links, just a quick, this is done this way because... If they insist they prefer it anyway, then that's their choice. But if it's something that changes the actual meaning of the sentence, it really needs to be addressed. The number one thing I've learned over the years is that language is mutable. Not everything has to be technically correct all the time if it doesn't fit the voice or tone of the piece of writing. You just want to stay consistent. Best, proofreader who reread this email 10 times before sending. <laughs> I also love that there are dashes between all those words, which would be correct. <laughs> oh, proofreader who read this email 10 times before sending. Thank you so much for your feedback. This is 
this is this feedback makes me so happy because it's so exactly the type of feedback I like and not because it says you guys did a great job with the answer but because it's a it's a professional in this world who would have dealt with these type who does deal with these type of questions all the time these type of etiquette navigations in their workspace and I just I love getting that kind of an in-depth perspective from someone so thank you so very much proofreader who read this email 10 times before sending we really appreciate your feedback and thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates please do keep them coming you can send your next question feedback or update to awesome etiquette at emilypost.com you can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND that's 802-858-5463 It's time for our Postscript segment, where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to talk about the history of etiquette books. Lizzie recently unpacked an old box of books from our EPI storage, and in it found a book titled Extraordinary Origins of Everyday Things by Charles Panati. And we should state up front that this book was printed in 1987, so it's a little dated at this point. But it did have some interesting points about etiquette, including where Western etiquette books come from. So that's the section we will be sharing with you today. It begins on page 83. And I am excited eventually to share the Emily Post section that we found in here. But I did think this one was kind of cool. Western etiquette books, 13th century Europe. During the dark days of the Middle Ages, when barbarian tribes from the north raided and sacked the civilized nations of southern Europe, manners were people's least concern. Formal codes of civility fell into disuse for hundreds of years. It was the popularity of the 11th century Crusades and the accompanying prestige of knighthood with its own code of chivalry that reawakened an interest in manners and etiquette. One new court custom called coupling paired a nobleman with a lady at a banquet, each couple sharing one goblet and one plate. Etymologists locate the practice as the source of a later expression for cohorts aligned in any endeavor said to, quote unquote, eat from the same plate. The rebirth of strict codes of behavior is historically documented by the appearance, starting in 13th century Europe, of etiquette books. The upper class was expanding. More and more people had access to court, and they wanted to know how to behave. The situation is not all that different from the 20th century social phenomenon of upward mobility, also accompanied by etiquette books. Here is a sample of the advice such books offered, the upwardly mobile, through the centuries. Keep in mind that what the etiquette writers caution people against usually represents the behavioral norm of the day. 13th century, and they've got four points. A number of people gnaw a bone and then put it back in the dish. This is a serious offense. Next. Refrain from falling upon the dish like a swine while eating, snorting disgustingly and smacking the lips. Do not spit over or on the table in the manner of hunters. When you blow your nose or cough, turn round so that nothing falls on the table. 
there's a lot of actual etiquette that stayed from the 13th century. I was going to say, the more things change, the more they stay the same, no right? We, we weren't joking when we said table manners don't change much. All right, 14th century. A man who clears his throat when he eats and one who blows his nose in the tablecloth are both ill-bred, I assure you. You should not poke your teeth with your knife, as some do. It is a bad habit. I hear that some eat unwashed. For this next one, we want to just remind people this was written in the 14th century, not 1987, because it's quoted. I hear that some eat unwashed. May their fingers be palsied. 15th century. Do not put back on your plate what has been in your mouth. Do not chew anything you have to spit out again. It is bad manners to dip food into the salt. During these centuries, there was much advice on the proper way of blowing one's nose. There were, of course, no tissues, and handkerchiefs had still not come into common use. Frowned upon was the practice of blowing into a tablecloth or coat sleeve. Accepted was the practice of blowing into the fingers. I am not sure that is any better. Painters and sculptors of the age, frankly, reproduced these gestures. Among the knights depicted on the tombstone of French King Philip the Bold at Dijon, France, one is blowing his nose into his coat, another into his fingers. I, I still think it's fascinating that so many things are very much the same, but it is interesting that apparently blowing the nose was like the big, how the heck do we deal with this? Like the, the cell phone manner of the day, you know? Although I've got two little girls right now who are- They're learning. Very diligently coughing into their the crook of their elbow, the elbow. and sneezing into the crook of their elbow. And mm -hmm. I don't know if that would have been considered strange or gross or awkward ten, even 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good case for yay Kleenex, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Indeed. You know, we we talk a lot on this show and we reference things all the way back to Emily Post because that's, that's you know, our, our category. It's our company. It's our family. It's our history. It's where our knowledge of etiquette kind of starts. And I do really love getting to hear about etiquette from before the 1920s. And it's been fun exploring Gilded Age etiquette at times. Um, but it's also really interesting to hear someone also talk about knights and chivalry and that being a time when etiquette kind of had a renaissance and came back from a time where, where it wasn't as focused on. Uh, and really interesting to think about what implements people were using back then and how they might have helped us to be polite or not be polite. Like to, to me, it, I would like, oh, I could just imagine your coat being more polite than your hands. But I, clearly I would have been on the outs back in the 14th and 15th centuries in Europe that those hands are really what you should be sneezing into. It makes me want to go wash my hands. Easier to wash your hands than your coat. <laughs> it is easier to wash your hands than your coat. That is that is really true. That is really true. It makes me want to go wash my hands right now, <laughs> thinking about it. Well, I'll tell you what you've done, Lizzie Post. You've got me thinking about a book that I read way back in high school, Castiglione's The Courtier. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it predated the, the Prince, Machiavelli's The Prince. And I've heard people talk about it as 
one of the earliest etiquette books in sort of Renaissance era Europe. And mm -hmm. you've got me thinking I need to go dig around and find us a reading from the courtier as well. Oh, that would be great. That would be really, really great. Once upon a time, that book sat on my bookshelf at our Emily Post Institute Burlington offices. And mm -hmm. this will force me to go to the boxes of books, what I now call the Revolution Library. Mm -hmm. And to find the courtier, <laughs> I'm sure I will also find some other gems to bring to the Postscript series. Well, I definitely look forward to that, cuz. Well, thank you for taking us back into the archives to be continued. like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. And today we have a salute from Jessica. My parents live in St. George, Utah, and I'm in the Seattle area, and they own a shop in Las Vegas, so they're frequently traveling to Vegas to attend the shop. For Mother's Day this year, I decided it would be a great idea to send my mom a gift box of local Seattle chocolates, which she loves. What I didn't think about was that in St. George in May, it can be up to 90 degrees during the day, and chocolate will melt. I sent the package to their home address, and you guessed it, they weren't home and weren't going to be home all week. Fortunately, one of my parents' neighbors in St. George noticed the package the day it was delivered, knew they were out of town, and texted my parents to let them know that it had arrived and asking if they would like the neighbor to take care of it for them. The neighbor took the package and then drove to Las Vegas to deliver Whoa. it to my mom in time for Mother's Day. <laughs> so this salute goes to my parents' neighbor in St. George, who saved my Mother's Day gift from becoming a pile of melted, chocolatey mess, and got it to my mom just in time. Thank you for all that you do. Keep up the great work. Kind regards, Jessica. Jessica, thank you so much for that salute with a twist. I love those. That is it. like, you know, you. I figured we were going to, you know, have the, the neighbor put it in the fridge and hold Kept it. Kept it in the fridge. Yeah, like th this is the basic. This was amazing. <laughs> like big salute to your parents' neighbors. <laughs> big salute to your parents' neighbors and, you know, trip to Vegas. <laughs> Good excuse. Good excuse. Good excuse. Thank you so much for the salute. <laughs> And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who has sent us something and everybody who supports us over on Patreon. Please connect with us and share this show with friends, family, and coworkers, however you like to share podcasts. You can send us your questions, feedback, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, you can find us at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're both Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please do consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app, or maybe several of your favorite podcast ah. apps. <laughs> and please consider leaving us a review. It helps our show ranking, which helps more people find Awesome Etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and, and Bridget. Bridget.